another episode of Lend Me Your Ears. You're in for a treat. Today, I have my first guest ever on Lend Me Your Ears, and it's fitting because she happens to be my first employee ever. Uh, On top of that, obviously, this is my first guest ever on the show, so this is new for me, and this is her first time ever being on a podcast, so we're just going to see how this goes. (laughs) Please help me welcome my office manager, Jill Valade. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, As everybody heard last week, I started talking about the importance of having an office, period. Uh, A lot of chimney companies out there, and I think a lot of trade companies as well, uh, don't either don't have an office, and if they do, it's probably underprepared, undertrained, um, and it's just a, a facet that I, I'd like to dive into and help people get better at. Uh, and I thought, who better to do that than the person that has taken my office from uh, one room in a house to now a active and thriving office environment? Um, so before we get started, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and just tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So my name is Jill Valade, and I am the office manager for Caesar Chimney Service. I have been with Caesar Chimney since the beginning, 2015, and I've been in the chimney industry for about 10 years now, uh, but the customer industry for about 20 years. I have a son, and yep, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do before you worked for a chimney company? Um, I've worked at a bridal store, I've worked in restaurants, and I've worked in the service department at a car dealership. Basically, just 10 years of customer service before applying there. Very good. So you've been on the phones and dealing with customers for a long time. Then. Exactly. Yep. So what was it like applying for a chimney company? Because I talked to a lot of sweeps and not many people start out as a sweep. They always, you know, kind of fall backwards into it almost. And just talk about what it was like to apply for a chimney company. Like, did you even know what you were getting into? Honestly, I had no clue at all. Uh, I basically just was running through Craigslist and decided I wanted to see if I could get another job and happened to see a position for an office assistant at a chimney company, decided why not, and I applied and got the position. All right. Did you know anything about chimneys going into it? Not a thing. I didn't even (laughs) think about chimneys at that point at all. (laughs) So what was it like taking over an office that had never had an office manager before? Uh, It was terrifying, to be quite honest. I was walking in and realizing that I had to create this job out of thin air. Um, The owner had been returning calls, but nobody had ever really actually answered the phone during the day. So that was a big deal. Um, There was no real organization. All I was given when I got in there was two empty filing cabinets. And then I had about seven or eight big boxes filled with paper invoices and paperwork. So I knew at that point, um, you know, I was going to have to create a filing system, among other things. So uh, that's where I started and then just kind of went from there. Um, So my first day there, I pretty much walked in and found out that there was not going to be any actual training. Uh, The owner showed me my desk, my phone, my computer, my filing cabinets, and said he had to leave for work. (laughs) So I got to work sorting on those invoices. Uh, Once in a while, the phone would ring. So obviously, I would have to stop and answer that phone. Um, At that point, I actually realized, though, that the customers were thrilled to have an actual person answering the phone. That was a that was a big thing, to be honest. Um, a lot of these returning customers, they were excited that the company was growing. Uh, but it was a bigger deal that somebody was even answering the phone during the day. Once I had started setting some appointments, I realized just how bare the schedule actually was. Um, like you had mentioned last week, a lot of those calls he was getting before 
I started weren't actually being turned into appointments. Um, but after just a couple months, I had enough work scheduled for there to be two trucks out. When I first began, there was only one. So that was a big deal. <laughs> oh, it was a huge deal because I was stuck in that one van wanting to be in the second one. So I was thrilled too when all of a sudden the schedule blew up. But you touched on something uh, I think kind of important there. You talked about the fact that there wasn't really much training involved when you got hired. Um, and you had mentioned you had no experience with chimneys going into it. So I think that's a mistake a lot of people make with their office in the chimney world is they expect them just to be able to answer the phone, you know, set appointments. Uh, when in reality, there's a lot more to this industry than just answering the phone. You know, the customers ask so many questions and they want, you know, actual help sometimes when they're calling, not just to set the appointment. Uh, we got really lucky with you, honestly. Uh, you just made it work. You came into an industry that you didn't understand and uh, jumped into, like, like you said, chaos and had to kind of make something of it. And I'm firsthand testament that I lived through it, watching what that office went through to what it became and how big the company got just from having you in the office. Uh, but like I said, we got lucky with you. That, that That's not always the case. And I understand that. So for those out there that are listening and they're looking to hire maybe their first office person, uh, maybe their first CSR manager, uh, what would you tell them to look for in that hire? Honestly, I think the most important part is the personality. I think that whether they have a positive phone voice and they can you know, easily build rapport with customers, I think that's most important. That's first and foremost. Um, but then after that, I think the next thing is you need to make sure that you're giving them the chimney knowledge that they need to have in mm. order to answer questions for customers. That was a problem for me for a few years. I had no chimney knowledge at all. I had to take guesses on things. I had to constantly call, you know, my boss at that time. And I had to keep asking him questions and asking you questions. And it was just, it was crazy for me because I had no idea how to answer these questions for these customers. Yeah. And we joke around a lot in the chimney trade about, uh, you know, flutes and flumes mm -hmm. and dampeners and, and chimney speak. But that's why I call it the missing link last week is we joke about that, but in reality, when, when customers are calling in and they don't know what they're talking about or they, they think they know, but they're not sure and they need that guidance, having that knowledge on the phone, uh, you know, we get a lot of people that call and say, I need, I need a new cap, right? To us, that's something stainless steel that goes on top of the chimney to keep out water and animals, right? To them, what do they think a cap is? the crown <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> so just that right there something as simple as hey i need my cap fixed if you don't have the right training or knowledge on the phones that entire appointment is going to go sideways because it just you know, it wasn't understood at the outset of it so uh you're exactly right that's something that we implemented here a lot later for you yeah <laughs> but for our newer hires uh we go through i have diagrams that i made up uh, that show exactly what the parts of the chimney are called. So we give it to our new hires and say, hey, here's what a chimney looks like. Here's a cap and a crown. And this is what flashing is. This is what mortar is. And for those business owners out there, I'll be honest, it's hard to remember what you didn't know when you started. And I say that because we've had to write quizzes for 30 days in. And like we're talking about making diagrams for people when they're starting. But the knowledge side of it, is so key. I joke around a lot talking about training when, you know, my first day as a chimney technician, same as yours, was, hey, here's your shirt, get in the van, sit there and shut up and follow me. Like, that's what we think training is in this industry. Yeah. But taking the time either with a new technician or a new CSR or office person to say, you know, these are the basics. Here's what bricks are. I mean, 
that matters, right? Like people don't think that there's different colors or shapes of bricks, but going into here's bricks and mortar and flashing uh, crowns, caps. Uh, I joke around with my technicians all the time that we have chimney jargon almost. And to us, it sounds like second language. It's it's sometimes first language. But to go to a customer and say, yeah, your corbelled smoke chamber needs to be parged. <laughs> to us, <laughs> yeah, we're like, no. absolutely. Yeah. Let's write the estimate and go home. But to a homeowner or to somebody calling on the phone, that is complete gibberish, right? right? To be able to give the person that's answering the phone that kind of knowledge to to answer questions and speak the same language and educate the the customer. I mean, how great would that have been to have had your first month in the business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would have been real nice. <laughs> um, I definitely wouldn't have felt as stupid, that's for sure. But, you know, when it comes to the office now, we make sure that they are trained when it comes to any kind of chimney knowledge, just basic chimney knowledge. And honestly, it makes a huge difference. Um, our newest office girl, Megan, she actually sat for the first month, I would say, after she started with the CSIA manual and just studied. And I, I was so impressed with that, honestly. But, <laughs> um, you know, she did that amongst looking at diagrams and everything else that we have, you know, and any kind of questions they have, they can just direct it to me. I'll answer anything. Um, but having that basic chimney knowledge is extremely important. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember walking through the office and seeing every time Megan wasn't on the phone or wasn't returning an email, she had that book open. And I swear she took more notes than most of the students at the school from that book. So <laughs> she learned a lot. Um, it was really fun to watch. But uh, actually, speaking of the school, uh, I think you were in the trade with me for seven, eight years, I think, before we actually sent you to the CSIA school. Um, I remember like thinking about, I was like, should I send my office manager that? And we talked about it. Uh, it never really seemed like the right time. But then once you did go, uh, you know, side note, Jill is CSIA certified. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I decided let's send her there and let's see what, uh, what she gets out of it. Let's see if it helped her at all. So, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your experience at the school and if it helped you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, going into it, I was terrified. <laughs> uh, the fact that I'm not a technician, I've never actually been out in the field, minus maybe I think one day I went out and followed for a little bit. Uh, but other than that, I've never been out in the field. So my nerves were at its fullest peak. Uh, I was terrified that I just was going to fail. But after going through <laughs> the, the whole, whole week, yeah. yeah. <laughs> After going through that whole week and freaking myself out, um, you know, I got to the end, I did my studying, and I realized how amazing it was to have that. It was beneficial beyond belief. It gave me more knowledge than I thought I would ever gain from anything else. Um, so I would recommend sending your office people to the school. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a whole different world from seeing a diagram in a book or reading notes or talking to customers, but then to actually go over the codes and to, you know, to sweep your first chimney. Actually, yeah. you swept your first chimney there, I didn't did. you? did an inspection and a sweeping. There so, and go. that on it, I think that was the biggest part for me that helped being able to actually do what the guys do uh, or what the techs do. It definitely helped me have a better understanding of what I was actually saying to the customers. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the training is key. Uh, I wish I didn't wait so long to send you. And um, now we're we're planning on sending our three office girls next year to the school as well. So training is important. Uh, but you made it work. You worked there for, what, two years? About three years. Yep. And uh, like I said, changed the entire company. Uh, just having someone in the office and having an organization and setting more appointments, we were killing it until 
what happened? Uh, I basically, I had, like I said, I have a, I have a child. So at that point, um, I had had one of my friends actually watching him while I was working, and then she ended up needing to get a real job. So um, I knew I was going to have to put him into daycare, and the cost of the daycare was just, you know, astronomical. And I just unfortunately wasn't making enough to afford that daycare. That stuff is expensive. Yeah. So you left, and I remember when you left too. We were. You literally crushed. We're like, what are we going to do? And we're like, okay, well, it worked out so good with, with her, with Jill. Let's just hire another one. And we'll keep on going. Your replacement was not you. <laughs> I <gotta laughs> say that. It definitely helped having somebody in the office. But like we talked about before, character, personality, uh, just able to problem solve. That's definitely a plus. Um, but she wasn't you. Thank you. <laughs> Fast forward a couple more years and... Uh, I had to leave as well. Uh, I had some personal things come up. I ended up starting my own company. And like I said last week, I gave Jill a call and I said, I have an idea. Back then, I say back then, well, it was like seven years ago. Yep. Back then. (laughs) Back then, uh, remote working wasn't a a huge thing like it is now, obviously, with everything with COVID. But uh, the the technology was there. We had uh, Google Calendar. We had QuickBooks. uh, We had cloud-based phone and it just made sense for you to do the same job you're doing there for me, but from home. Um, so we started out uh, with you at your house and me at my house, one phone ringing two different places. And that went for, what, four years? Yeah, about four years. <laughs> so uh, I know some of the listeners were excited about that last week when I brought it up. But why don't you go over the good and the bad that you went through from doing this job from the, I guess, comfort of your own home for four years? Uh, yeah, so I'll start with the good. Uh, I would say the good. <laughs> you can be as bad. You can tell all the bad. It's okay that I'm sitting here. <laughs> so the good was obviously, you know, the fact that I didn't have to pay for a child care um, for my son. And then, you know, the fact that I you know, could be in my pajamas if I wanted to be. <laughs> that was nice. Um, but, you know, it was, it was definitely helpful with the way that my life was at that time. Um, but then it got to the point where after a little bit of time, I realized I was getting forgotten about. <laughs> so, no. yeah. Um, so there would be things going on and, you know, you would just kind of randomly tell me, oh, I changed this or I did this. And you happened to have changed it like a couple days before. So I got forgotten about um, with a lot of things, actually. And then on top of that, I ended up with serious cabin fever. It was awful. Um, you know, I just wanted to get the heck out of there. I needed a social life. I needed people around me. I am very much a people person. So I needed that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> the forgetting about that. Uh, it's still a joke in this company. Well, you and I joke about it at least. I don't know if you laugh as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> Yeah, now. but she's right. It's, it's hard when you have somebody in a remote location and you're sitting, you know, at the other side of the business, making decisions like She's not kidding. I would make price increases or decreases or change the way we were doing services or change something integral to the company, but not tell her. I was telling people around me, you know, hey, we're going to do this now. And everybody's in agreements. And yeah, we're high fiving. A couple of days go by and she goes, so we we raised the prices. You know, somebody called today and they said the price on online is different. Oh, oh yeah, we changed that. Sorry. So it's hard to communicate. Yeah. Um, communication in an office position is key. Uh, which leads me to my next point, uh, talking to each other. You know, forget about the fact that I would forget about you when yeah. we were trying to get a hold of each other. Like you'd have a question for me or I'd need to get a hold of you. There was a lot of 
uh, phone tag, I guess, where, you know, you'd call my cell phone, I'd be on a roof. Yeah. I'd get off the roof. Oh, Jill called and I'd call you back, but now you're on the phone with a customer. Exactly. And then you'd call me back and now I'm talking to a customer and it was just a lot of back and forth. So uh, talk about what that was like and how we finally fixed it. Yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had to call a lot of customers back. Um, but <laughs> but then eventually we did download the app, which is called Voxer, and that was extremely helpful. It's a walkie-talkie app, and you can send voice messages, you can send text messages, you can send pictures. Uh, the good thing about it is you don't have to wait for that person to respond to you if you want to actually send another message. So <laughs> uh, if John wasn't responding to me, I just kept sending more and more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it also solved a problem for me, which was texting while driving. You know, if I wasn't on a roof or talking to a customer, most likely I was on the way to the next job. And if she couldn't get a hold of me, she would shoot me a text message. So now I'm trying to text while driving. And we tried the, uh, <laughs> what was the uh, the voice to text that they have on right. the cell phones? That was fun because my employees would laugh at me for turning into a robot. Like, please call the customer. <laughs> like, what is he doing? I'm, like, I'm trying to send a text message. Uh, but yeah, we got that app. That was a, a lifesaver because now she sends me a message. And then when I finally did get it, I could just reply instantly, go back to what I was doing. And there was no having to wait for the other person to be on the line. Now it's taken on a life of its own. It went from just the office talking to me to now the entire company's on it. We have group chats on there for the company. We have group chats for the management. We have one for just the leads, one for just the techs, one for just the office. My mother's on it. <laughs> the CSIA board is on it. Like we have, it's such an easy way to communicate. So uh, yeah, for those of you out there that are, are frustrated with that phone tag or texting while driving game, definitely get it. Voxer. And no, we're not sponsored by them, although at this point, maybe we should be. Uh, but definitely, uh, I recommend getting that because it is such a game changer. But on the topic of communication, um, we talked about having that the phone system set up. I think we used phone.com, if I remember. Um, but it was pretty simple. I got a desk phone for her house, a desk phone for my house. And there was a little box that you would put on the phone line for each one that would allow it to ring from the same number. I was pretty impressed with it at the time. Um, the problem was certain people needed to get a hold of me when they were calling and I didn't want Jill to have to deal with those calls. I'd rather just have them go straight to me. So I had this brilliant idea. I said, let's put that fancy little number system on the phone when people called. Ooh, we sound very, <laughs> very high tech. <laughs> so when you would call, it was uh, some kind of a message saying, hi, thank you for calling Caesar Chimney Service, blah, 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 blah. Um, if you're looking to, let me see if I remember what this actually said. If you're looking to have your chimney swept, press one. Uh, if you're looking to get an estimate, press two. If you're looking to book work from a previous estimate, press something like that. All I remember was mine was number five. If you need to speak with the owner, press five. I put that in there just for a way to people to get through to me because Jill was fielding a lot of phone calls from vendors or from marketing or from people that literally needed to get through to me. And she was the only one on the phone. So I didn't want to tie her time up. So I thought it was brilliant until... <laughs> I would get, I had a separate voicemail set up for it as well. I would go to check my voicemail and I would get tons of, hi, I'd like to get my chimney swept <laughs> or yeah, I'd like to get an estimate. <laughs> I'm thinking you just sat through a message for one, two, three, four, where you could have pressed that, but people just wanted to talk mm -hmm. to the owner. 
<laughs> like, what about that guy that kept calling the office and he'd get you and he kept asking for me? And... Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was incessant and trying. He, he kept calling and I, you know, he kept asking for you and I kept explaining that I could help him and he kept refusing. And I think it was multiple times that he called until finally I was like, all right, John, you got you to take this call. <laughs> he obviously needs to talk to you. Yeah. I'm going, oh, man, this has got to be a big deal. And I get all ready and I, I call him back and he answers the phone i'm like hi this is john caesar the owner what can i help you with and he goes hi so can i get my work scheduled <laughs> i was like are you kidding it's just it's funny some people just feel like they need to talk to the owner but anyway that actually is a good segue to problem customers mm -hmm. oh yeah uh you've had a few of those over the years oh yeah what are some of your favorite stories I think the biggest one for me was more in the beginning of when I, you know, when I first started in this industry, I remember specifically one of the customers, it was a man, and he just was refusing to talk to me. He basically was saying that since I was a woman, I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. So there was that one. I would say that was the worst one of all. But then, I, you know, I've had a few that are just rude, inconsiderate, just think that they know everything about chimneys when they <laughs> clearly don't. Uh, I had a customer in specific that he had a masonry friend and his masonry friend would check his chimney every year. <laughs> so I kept trying to explain to him that, you know, there could be damage inside the chimney, not just on the exterior. And he was just adamant that he knew what he was talking about because his masonry buddy told him it was all set and good to go and safe. <laughs> oh, I love those. Uh, that's something that I, I told Jill early on when she worked at my company was I watched how well she handled customers at our old company and I gave her carte blanche to handle customers wherever she wanted because that happens a lot, a lot more than I realized uh, that customers will just there's something about getting a woman on the phone. I don't know what is, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a Northeast thing or a national thing, but they just don't want to talk to a female. Like you said, they don't think that they know what they're talking about. They know more. Their friend knows more. We get yep. that in the field all the time. But I told Jill early on, if somebody's ever rude to you or uh, swears at you or, or anything like that, where you just don't want to work for them, fire that customer. Right. And I think that's important to give that power to a CSR because if they feel like they have to, you know, buckle under that pressure or or any of that, that's I, not our customer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not absolutely. And I told her I don't want to work for that customer. And uh, this actually goes back to when we worked at the old company. I'll never forget we had a rain day. Uh, I was in my garage and I was building something, a cornhole board or something. I was just enjoying my rainy day off. Jill was still working. And she calls me in tears and she's like sobbing on the phone. I'm going, what is going on? There was a customer that was originally scheduled for that day. And when she called them to tell him, sorry, you know, we have to reschedule for the day. Um, he starts swearing and flipping out on her and you need to send somebody out. And I've been waiting for this appointment. How dare you bleepity bleep bleep swearing up a storm. She called me and she said, you know, this is, you know, what do I do? I was like, don't reschedule him. We're not going to go work right. for that guy. I don't want to go out there. She called our owner at the time. And what did he say? He said, nope, reschedule it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a spot for him. All he cared about was getting that customer and getting that money, unfortunately. Yeah. And that stuck with me for a long time because when I found out that he, uh, he made us go out and help this guy or service this customer, I said, send me out. I'm the one going out there to this mm -hmm. one. Don't put on anybody else's schedule. I'm going to see this guy. And he was this 
Oh, it doesn't matter what he was like, but he was just one of those rude customers, always was used to getting his way. We'll put it that way. But I swore when I started my own company that my office was not going to set appointments. First of all, that would treat them that way. Like if you're going to treat the person on the phone that way, we don't want to do business with you. But second of all, I just don't want to work for that person, period. Uh Because if they're that kind of attitude that they're going to mistreat the person on the phone, how are they going to treat the person going out there? So from day one, I told Jill, somebody acts like that towards you. That is not our customer. I have no problem walking away from, I don't care if it's a full rebuild or multiple chimneys or the money shouldn't matter. And it shouldn't matter to you either. If they're going to treat the people answering the phone like that, that's just my personal (laughs) take on that. But you bring up another good point there, which is educating the customer. And this is something that I've been trying to stress to people for years is that the office person for a chimney company is so much more than just setting the appointments or scheduling. It is the the diagnosing, the education, the assistance. And so many of these customers we talked about already, they, they're not sure what the right terminology is or what they're actually looking for. The person on the phone has got to be able to help them with that, right? Right. They got to be able to to explain the process to someone that might have never had it done the right way before. Like a big one uh, early on for us was explaining to a customer the fact that they need to have an inspection with their sweeping. (laughs) Of course, our pricing didn't really help where we didn't really separate that for them early on. But just explaining to a customer that we have to inspect the chimney with every sweeping. Some people up here have never had that before. I remember answering the phone one day. I don't know if you were on vacation or, or out for some reason, but I remember I was on the phones. I gave the customer the price and they go, oh, wow, that's a lot of work for 15, or oh, that's a lot of money for 15 minutes worth of work. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? We're going to be out there a lot longer than 15 minutes. And they're like, why? They assume you're just going to stand on the ground and look up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunately what they had before. Maybe yeah. the guy that came out before didn't do a full proper level one NFPA two standard inspection, right? This went out there and they swept the chimney. So the education side we already talked about for a CSR, knowing what they're talking about. But talk about what it's like to educate that customer during the call. So when I get a customer who really doesn't understand why they're going to need inspection, I mean, I pretty much start off by explaining to them what the inspection actually includes. Um, You know, the fact that we're not just going to be standing on the ground looking up and kind of just giving them an estimate based off of what we see. You know, explain that the guys are going to be going up on their roof. They're going to go inside the house. They're going to go, you know, they're looking at the chimney from top to bottom and they're going to make sure every single piece of that chimney is safe. And that's the most important thing. They need to understand that it's going to be safe for them. Uh, You know, we're not looking to put Band-Aid fixes on chimneys. We're not looking to just you know, throw a patch on and leave. We need to know exactly what is wrong with the chimney inside and out, and then we can fully estimate it from there. Yep. What about the customers that call up? uh, Let's just say that I've called in and uh, you answer the phone. I'm like, hi, Jill. I just need an estimate for a cap. That's the the big one. I teach a a class on free estimates to inspections, but walk us through what you would say to that customer that just thinks we're going to come out and give them an estimate for a cap. So we need to explain to them that we can't just throw a cap on a chimney that we don't know if it's not safe and stable. Um, You know, what if there's an issue with the crown? What if there's an issue with the, you know, the liner? We don't want to throw a cap on there and just say that it's good to go. We have to make sure we get up on the roof and we get measurements. We have to make sure that the crown is, you know, not falling apart and that the rest of the chimney isn't falling apart. Um, You know, we want to make sure that there aren't any gases that are being contained inside that chimney once we throw that cap on. So we want to make sure we look at every single piece. (laughs) I tell the office all the time, especially the new ones when they come in to listen to Jill's calls, talking to customers, because time after time, somebody will call up and they'll want, uh, you know, just a free estimate for a cap. 
And Jill will turn it into a level two inspection. And the technicians now, they'll go out and like, why am I doing a level two? He wants a cap. And they're like, oh, Jill took this customer. A lot of times when people are looking for a cap too, it's not just they want a cap. It's because they have leaking and they think that throwing a cap on is just going to cure that problem. And it doesn't. Um, You know, usually leaking comes from numerous other places. So once they mention leaking, that's immediately for me, I can just go into, you know, you could have leaking coming from here or it's waterproofing or flashing or whatever it could be. But there's a lot more to it than just throwing a cap on a chimney. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important too, that when we hire the new girls that they can listen to your calls because then they can hear (laughs) that. (laughs) So they know how to talk to the customers. Definitely. And I, I really wish we had the phone recording like a long time ago. <laughs> that was a new thing for us. Just a couple of years ago, we got that. But it it was really important because now not only can the office girls listen to my calls and hear, you know, what I'm saying to the customers, but also we have that for the customers themselves. We have a lot of customers who question things that we said, mm. question the price we gave them, question that we even gave them a price, um, you know, so it's really important to have that so that we can have our proof basically oh yeah happened all the time in the field before where i'd go out to a job and finish up and he'd go okay well she told me it was a hundred dollars i'm like no she didn't that's not a price well that's what she told me and i'm like that's never been a price in our company but i had nothing to go off of so i'm sitting here arguing with the guy in his house yeah now i've actually pulled the call recordings up in customers' homes. They'll say they'll still try that. Like, oh, well, she said it was going to be this price. And I'm like, that's really weird because I don't know why she'd say that. Hang on a second. And I'll push the call recording right in front of the customer and say, yep. let's listen to it. All of a sudden, like, oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, maybe that's what she yeah. said. So, <laughs> it's good to have that. If you have, and I'm going to talk about this in a future podcast, but what you have for documentation, uh, not just for your chimney inspections and for your scheduling, but for your calls, being able, like she's saying, to listen to the calls, to hear what was said. I mean, that goes so many different ways, not just uh, holding customers accountable, but holding ourselves accountable. Yeah. Like we can go back and listen to a call. Why did the customer react that way? Or what did you say? Or uh, did you give the price? Sometimes it'll happen where like she didn't give me a price and the customer's right where we have a new girl on the phone or somebody didn't give the right information. So it's good to have that accountability and also tracking tracking your calls is so key from a business owner's point of view you know like we said jill was in a different uh, zip code answering these calls so i didn't know what was going on throughout the day i'd come back at the end of the day and i'd look at the schedule and there was two extra appointments right it was a slow day and that's all we had in my mind i'm thinking you know what was she doing all day <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's home and i only got two appointments i didn't realize what actually went into her full day until we started tracking calls you wouldn't believe how many calls the girls take that are marketing vendors customers following up calling with questions somebody wants a price somebody like they're they're answering the call the phone so many more times than they are for what we consider a a lead right Right. absolutely i mean there are so many times where we answer the phone and we try to set an appointment but we literally can't um it could be just a matter of them being out of our service area or we don't service whatever unit they have for instance in new hampshire you have to have a gas fitters license in order to service gas which we do not have so we are unable to service any kind of gas appliance um same as pellet stove we don't service pellets anymore so Yep. And that goes back to knowing what customers are your customers, right? For a long time, we would service anything. I mean, as a young company growing, you've got to take any appointment you can. Eventually, we got to the point, especially with the the gas appliances, Mm -hmm. we literally can't do that. So that was kind of out of our hands. Uh, But in the case of Pellet, 
a lot of our guys just aren't comfortable with it. And we had to make the decision since I wasn't in the field, are we going to train them to do it or not? That's a decision that we made based on how many calls do we get for pellet and tracking the times we don't set appointments helps us to gauge, you know, kind of what lane should we stay in, right? right. <laughs> so we're into the calls a lot more than just what appointments are set, but why aren't we setting the appointments? Uh, like you mentioned out of our service area, we've changed our service area so much over the years that uh, we have to decide where should we go? What makes sense for us to go out there? So we sat down earlier this year, took all of the calls that we had received that were out of our service area. And the girls wrote down how many from, or how many calls they got from each town. And we sat down and was like, are we getting enough calls from this town to warrant sending a truck out there? Yep. So being able to track your calls, the recordings, the amount, uh, the amount of calls you're getting versus how many are actually settable leads versus, you know, how many leads versus how many appointments did you set? When you talk about knowing your numbers, so many of the business owners go to money. They want to go to profit or margins. I want to know all the numbers. How many mm -hmm. calls did we get in this town? How many appointments have we set in this zip code? Uh, how many times? There's so many numbers you can get into once you know what you're tracking, right? Right. So I definitely recommend tracking your calls in some way, even if it's just a spreadsheet, some way of, of figuring out what you're, what you're getting out of the calls you're receiving. Uh, but back to the recordings, uh, the key there was we started to hear the same problems coming up, both on the phone and in the field, where we didn't clearly explain to the customer what we were going to go out there and do, or the customer didn't clearly explain to us what we were getting into. And the more we ran into these same problems coming up over and over again, we tried to come up with a script, which <laughs> didn't go over very well because I don't want the girls sounding scripted. Um, if you feel if you sound like you're a robot or you're reading off a piece of paper, the customer is going to feel that. So we tried to come up with a way for the the CSR to get the information they needed from the customer without sounding like they were reading off a page. And that came to me when I called another service company. I forget what it was I called. It was HVAC or plumbing, but I called the set an appointment and the girl on the other end took control from me. And that's, it's a, it's hard to do when you're on the phone to take control of a call. Jill does it naturally. And we were trying to come up with how do we get this trainable? How do we get this to, to translate without becoming robotic? And when I called this other company, it clicked for me. She took control of the call without letting me feel like I had lost control. <laughs> what she did was she, she just started asking me questions and she started out with something very vague, like, so let me just get some information from you or let me just, you know, I forget what she said, but it, it put me at ease. And then she just started drilling me for information, <laughs> honestly, um, asking me, you know, how old is your home and how many stories and how big is your, I don't forget what it was she was actually asking. And by the end of the call, she had all the information that she needed to set the appointment. I'm like, wow, we need that. So Jill and I sat down and we're like, what questions should we be asking? And that's funny that we did this years into having this company. But if you're trying to put together a new office, don't give them a script. Don't make them feel robotic. Don't. I've seen people with pages upon pages of questions that they have the, the CSRs ask, but give them a, a, what do we have, six or seven that the girls ask? Yeah, I think there's about six. And it's so basic. It's things like, so let me get some information from you, starting with, uh, you know, the basics. You know, how do you spell your name? You might know their name. They might have said it. But that small question of how do you spell your name, make sure that you're spelling it right in their invoice because that happens a lot too. 
but how do you spell your name and what's your address and zip code and what's a good uh, phone number the technicians can text when they're on the way? Yep. That's a different way of saying, what's your cell phone? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, a, why do you need that? But what's a good number that we can text when we're on the way? What's a good email that we can send the estimate and inspection report over to? Exactly. Yeah. Which lets them know that we're paperless. They're not yeah. going to get something in hand, which takes one of those questions out of the way because then they're like, oh, I don't have an email right. or I need paper. Now we know that ahead of time. But then you get into the the meat and potatoes of it, which is how many chimneys do you have, right? Right. So many times we get a call or used to get a call, uh, come sweep my fireplace. Absolutely. To most of us, we jump at that. Boom. We've got a uh, we got an appointment. We got something to go do. We get out there and we find out there's three flus on the house, and one of them it's an oil flu and it's collapsed. And now we've got to inspect that one. And now it seems like a bait and switch because we went out there for one flu. We're now going down like, okay, we need to inspect three and this one we've got to run a camera on. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? This this $200 appointment is now $600 and it seemed like they were being taken advantage of. Asking a question like, um, how many chimneys do you have? Mm Kind of sets them, it it takes them back. They're like, oh, I actually have two. Okay. What's the next question? What vents through that chimney? Exactly. Got to find out the exact unit that they have running through it or if there's more than one. Yeah. And then they'll start thinking because yeah. more times than not, I used to train my technicians on when you go out to sweep a fireplace, ask them, is anything else vent through the chimney? And then they're like, no. Well, where you go from there? Usually if you're standing on the hearth of the fireplace in New England, directly beneath you is their house heating system, their mm-hmm. boiler, their furnace, their water heater, something. And I'll just point at the floor and be like, so no, you don't have a boiler or a water heater? They're like, well, yeah, I do. Okay, well, does that vent in your chimney? I don't know. And I'm like, can I go in your basement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy for me. I was just used to doing it. But trying to train a new guy to do that, they come across a little, a little creepy. creepy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now the girls on the phone will ask that question. What vents through your chimney? They're like, nothing, just my fireplace. Okay, you don't have a boiler, wood stove, furnace? Right. Oh, yeah, actually, you know, we do have an oil boiler in the basement. Okay, most times that does vent into your... Ch- they start that conversation long before you're in the house. Get the customers thinking, right? Right, right. We got to produce the conversation, build the rapport, um, and just find out exactly what these technicians are going to be walking into. Um, you know, not only what appliances and how many chimneys, but it's a matter of also knowing when their last inspection was or if they mm. even had one. Um, a lot of these people that call, they haven't had an inspection in... 20 years or since they moved in 50 years ago. Um, so we just need to know exactly what we're walking into. Yeah. We get a lot uh, of the customers are like, bring your biggest ladder. We got a really <laughs> tall house. We get out there and it's, you know, 25 feet, 30 yeah. feet, something that's normal for us, big for them. But in the old days, not the old days, <laughs> six, seven <laughs> years ago, when a customer had said that, we would grab the 40-foot ladder, which we don't bring out all the time. And we'd right. strap that up on the van and take an extra 20 minutes getting ready to get out there and find it's a two-story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now a different way we ask that is, how many stories is your home? How many floors is your home? Yep. I go, two, two and a half. It's a lot better than it's really tall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the biggest question, though, uh, to me, of course, you want to find out how many chimneys, how many appliances. Uh, you're trying to get an idea of the flues. And really... The reason for that is I like to set what I call worst case pricing because I got sick of the bait and switch, what it felt like. The, you get out there and the customer's like, she told me it was 200 Now mm-hmm. you're trying to say you got to do a level two and it's going to cost me. I don't want to deal with that frustration. And I definitely don't want my younger, newer technicians dealing with that. Now they feel like they're scamming the customer. Getting that information ahead of time, the girls set what we call worst case pricing. So somebody calls for a level or uh, they don't say level one. They call for a fireplace sweeping. Right. Like they're expecting this price. 
when the girls say, oh, you actually have two chimneys with three appliances and it hasn't been checked in five years or whatever, we really should check all three flues. So here's the price for everything, Mm -hmm. worst case. Because now what usually happens is we've set a two chimney, three flue inspection. We get out there. Sometimes just the fireplace is all that needs to be swept, right? right? And now we've gone from whatever the six, seven hundred dollar inspection and sweepings back down to, to something. Yeah, to three or four hundred, and they're like a lot more excited about that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Customers like you going down with the price a lot yeah. more than doubling it while you're out there. So get all that information up front, right? And we, from that one phone call I had with that other service industry, which I can't even remember what that company was. <laughs> We implemented these six or seven basic questions where now we know how many chimneys, how many appliances, the last time it was swept, any issues that they had, how many stories the home is. If they're buying or selling the house, which is extremely important because obviously if the customer is buying or selling the house, then they are going to have to have a real estate inspection, which is a level two. Um, And it has to be on all chimneys and all flues. So that, that makes a big difference as well. They need to know exactly how many chimneys and flues that customer has. Yeah. And you get, you've already got that information because you've right. already asked them how many chimneys, right. how many flues. So you have it. So now when you bring up, oh, all the chimneys need to be inspected, like, yeah, I've only got the one. Yeah. Well, you already told me you have two. <laughs> yeah. But that, that question catches them off guard because even if they're calling for a basic fireplace sweeping, annual sweeping, and it's a repeat customer, the girls were like, do we really have to ask this question every time? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. things change and yep. they might not know that this is needed. So we've all been out there, those of us that have been technicians for a long time, you get out for a level one fireplace inspection sweeping and there's a for sale sign in the yard <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I have to do it too. And now you're back into that bait and switch, right? Mm-hmm. You're standing there like, I've got to run a camera and double your price and the customer's all mad and I've got to do more than one flu. Get all of that taken away in the phone call, get all the information there. Another one we added last year is what's on your roof, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We'd get out there. We got all the information just to find out it's a metal roof or they had solar panels put on last year yeah. or uh, they've got a cedar shake roof or a slate roof. There's so many different things up there. Solar, solar panels was really the reason we started yeah. doing this. Uh, even uh, returning customers that were used to going out there and getting on their roof. Now we show up and half the roof where we went with the ladder is now covered in solar panels. <laughs> yeah. We're like, uh, we can't. Well, that's new. <laughs> yeah, right. Oops. But get all of that out of the way. So I think those are the the six or seven questions that we ask. Uh, what appliances? How many chimneys? How tall? When's the last inspection? Anything on your roof other than asphalt shingles? Are you buying or selling your house? And then we added one more recently uh, with the whole COVID situation. For a long time, most of us had to wear a mask. It was mandated. It was state regulated. Uh, we're all wearing masks. Then all of a sudden, our governor said, okay, you don't. Well, that's all well and good in Target or yeah. Walmart or Home Depot, but we're in people's homes here. And my technicians were asking me, they're like, do we have to wear a mask? I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> right? It's, it's up to the customer. Yeah. So we added that question in. At the end of all the questions they ask, they say, do you, what, what do they say? I don't even know do how they Do you prefer the technician to wear a mask when they're inside the home right and the customer gets to decide that the cool thing about our csr is that the technician sees all of these questions so let's say they have two chimneys they have four flues but they really only want that one fireplace inspected and that's totally fine we'll still set it for the one letting them know because the call's recorded that they may have to do more if they find issues when they're out there but let's say he shows up and on his invoice it just says sweep a fireplace and inspect a level one 
but he can still see the answers to the questions. Mm -hmm. He still sees wear a mask when you're in there and they're not selling their home and there's two chimneys, but they only want the one inspected. He sees all that information. Now when he shows up and there's a for sale sign in the yard, the whole game's changed and he's got the information there. He's like, whoa, hey, you were asked and you said no, Mm -hmm. but have that information on the phone. Yeah. And that's something that we didn't do for years. We would just set the appointment mm-hmm. and go out there and I'm like, Hope yeah. for the best. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you know, we're here for a sweeping, but your oil flues collapsed. Right. So yeah, we're going to go a little further now. Don't do that to your customers. Don't bait and switch. And even if you're not trying to bait and switch them, that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. Then we end up in the house fighting with them and arguing. And she said this and he said that. All that's gone, yeah. thankfully. But wow, we've already made it 44 minutes in and we haven't even got to hiring and training and all that. There's a lot more to go over. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's enough for this episode. Um, we're definitely going to have you back. We, we're like I'm more than one person. I'm going to have <laughs> you back on because uh, we've got a lot more to go over. Uh, as we can tell, we've talked this long and still haven't even scratched the surface on what the office does and uh, what to train them on and how to hire them and all of that. Absolutely. So, Uh, Will you be back on as a guest? Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you got a lot out of this one um, because there's a lot of good stuff to get taken from this. And uh, thank you, Jill, for coming on as a guest. Thank you. Uh, Thank all of you for lending us your ears. Have a great day.